A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to Cocoons of Horror, the podcast where we review classic horror films and other pulp fiction. Today we take a look at Sam Raimi's Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2 is the most fun you'll ever have watching a man saw his own hand off. <laughs> Bloody, slapsticky, and campy as hell, this film is a groovy ride. With me, as always, is Dr. Anthony Ladon. Groovy. Son of a... I swallow your soul! I swallow your soul! Swallow this. Happy Halloween, Steve. Happy Halloween to you. Are you a Halloween guy? I mean, I've got kids, and once they're both out of the house, I will absolutely not be a Halloween guy. Interesting. I'm just not... I mean, my wife has decorations. We have decorations up around the house right now. Oh, well, that's festive. Yeah. Well, you're like you're in a neighborhood, though, right? We're in a neighborhood, and so you probably feel somewhat compelled to uh, to be, you know, like to sort of fit in. Yeah. Sort of. I well, imagine that's a very Midwest thing to do, right? Is to either that, or you want to appear like the the haunted house, right? You want. Oh, gotcha. For, for Halloween, you either want to fit in, or you want to be like, oh no, that's the freaky house. Right. Yeah. So, I just want you to know that, and I do have a few Halloween questions for you, but I want you to know that if ever I am possessed by the dead, you have my permission to dismember me. Okay. And let me just say, if a wood chipper is available. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that's probably optimal. Feet first, head first, how are you going to do it? I mean, the head first probably. I mean, because you don't want to be pushing on my head. You it's true. And pushing then- on my <laughs> It also lends to the just the like at some point you're gonna still be like don't kill me and then you'll like turn back to regular Anthony and be like Steve I can't believe you're chipping me and then I'll be like tempted to pull you out and then I realize oh no he's bad. <laughs> uh, so I let's talk about this movie. I have a lot. Great idea. I have a, <laughs> a lot of thoughts on this, but my my first thought is how have I never seen this movie before? It's it's unlike I mean I think I've seen I've probably seen a lot of movies that have tried to take this tone. 
But this movie feels singular to me. And I probably need your help because I, I have not seen Evil Dead. Uh, right. I've only seen this the sequel. So maybe you could talk a little bit about Raimi, uh, this this particular franchise. Yeah, so I mean so Evil Dead happens and it's um it's low budget, you know, Raimi's doing doing his Raimi thing. I think this is one of I mean, very early films and and I think it does okay. So this is and that's 81, right? So we're like we're mm-hmm. like right in, you know, Christopher Cross's debut album time frame, right, to kind of put things in perspective. <laughs> Um, so it's, you know, it's obviously it's like you're, you're headed out of the, out of the seventies. So it's, um, things are shifting a little bit. The tones are changing and I, there's, there's definitely some fun that Evil Dead has, but it's a little more straightforward in many cases. Um, there's some really odd, uh, choices. Like there's a, a tree, a penetration scene that's, oh. uh, fairly, uh, I got my dog excited. <laughs> that's fairly, uh, <laughs> yeah, fairly yeah. infamous. Nothing will excite our listeners more than tree <laughs> penetration. <laughs> My dog was napping well, and then, you know, was it an oak? <laughs> um, so then, then I think there's some, some success. There's some, uh, you know, with, with Evil Dead. And then, so we're talking like 87 this comes out. So it's interesting, because does this feel like a 1987 movie to you? It feels much older. It, it right? feels like an, a 70s throwback. And yet, I will say that I don't, you know, I don't have the history with horror that you do. This feels like a hybrid genre in a way that maybe the 70s didn't conceive of. Right. I, I, would, I would definitely agree with that. But it, the feel and maybe some of the look, I would have, I, it sort of surprised me that it was, uh, what it, that it was 87 just when i start thinking of other things that came out around that time sure um they don't feel i mean they don't like i mean let's be honest like monster squad 87 it feels dated but it doesn't feel that doesn't feel like a, a could be a 70s movie if you told me this was made in the 70s just in terms of oh like, i would totally believe it I would exactly totally. so i so i think it's funny that you say you know how have i not seen this because i thought about that too because i mean i remember movies at that time and a lot of movies that i was excited to go see and I just, for some reason, only saw Evil Dead in the rearview mirror of, like, at the video store, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't mm-hmm. feel like I ever remember Evil Dead 2 being advertised. Oh, it's you got that I mean? iconic, you know, cover art, right? Right, yeah. And so I always remember seeing it, but I don't remember I don't remember any commercials for it. I don't remember uh, it being, you know, on the options when I would go to, to UA5 or UA6. You know, if I was going to go see, like, because I mean, look, Lost Boys came out, right? I saw Lost Boys in the theater right, right. Uh, when, when in '87, Monster Squad, The Untouchables, I saw in the theater, like, you know, Good Morning Vietnam. There's so many films that came out in '87 that I can I can look at and go, oh yeah, I mean, for sure, I remember I remember all of those. I remember these being advertised. I remember Baby Boom, The Nightmare on Elm Street Three, Roxanne, Throw Mama from the Train. There's so many movies that I'm like, '87 was like a great like year for. For movies for and maybe me that's for going it. To it maybe it's like maybe it was just like white noise you know with right especially other... if, especially having not seen evil dead right so evil dead comes out in 81 you know i'm five right and probably not into not super into horror at this age you know <laughs> um so evil dead 2 might have just been like ah that is foreboding i don't want that right um those are two two words that i don't like uh <laughs> side by side but it is funny because it because 
realizing that it's 87 it kind of it jarred me so so going back to like so evil dead happens and then the way that it ends is like so it's the same kind of thing you're in the in the cabin there's possession but it's i think it's four people go and they're all friends and it's you know kind of has that like horror you know teenage romp kind of thing and then there's possession and then sure uh, sure and then at the end uh, ash appears to be attacked by by a surviving demon or something right so then you get to Evil Dead 2, and it's a little confusing. So my my son and I, we went through an Evil Dead uh, like late phase, right? I don't I don't think I watched this until like maybe seven eight years ago, maybe, okay. maybe even longer. Yeah. Um, and my son and I just watched all three, and it was a little odd to get to two because when you watch them one to two, you're like, well, wait a minute, what's going on? Why is why is Ash back at this cabin? I thought he was he might have died. Why well, would and it's almost like this character that we meet at the beginning of this film is not prepared for anything, right? It's almost like right. he's never had an, ex- an encounter with the Evil Dead before. I feel funny about being here. What if the people who own this place come home? They're not going to come back. Even if they do, we'll tell them that the car broke down or something like that. <laughs> with your car, they believe it. Hey, what do you say we have some champagne, huh, baby? Huh? <laughs> Sure. <laughs> After all, I'm a man and you're a woman. Uh, At least last time I checked. <laughs> okay. Bom bom. Right. Bom, so what? Ha- so what it is bom. is they don't have Raimi and company don't have the rights to the footage of Evil Dead because mm. there's a new studio. So they decide to sort of recreate what happened, but they sort of they change it a little bit. But they keep the essentially the same. You're supposed to pick up where the last one left off, but but they wanted to so they wanted to to go back a little bit. So rather than get all the same actors, they just get uh, Bruce Campbell, and then instead of having four people, it's just the two. And so basically, it's like this sort of sums it up, right? There's a possession, and he's thrown around, and he's sort of attacked out in in the in the woods, and this is him returning back to the cabin after. He gets attacked in the woods. So, in the uh, original, is there like a is there a book element? Is there? Yeah. A... This is Professor Raymond Noby, Department of Ancient History, log entry number two. I believe I have made a significant find in the castle of Kantar. Having journeyed there with my wife Henrietta, my daughter Annie, and associate professor Ed Gatley, it was in the rear chamber of the castle that we stumbled upon something remarkable. Naturum de Monto, the Book of the Dead. My wife and I brought the book to this cabin. Okay, so that that's all reintroduced in this. Yeah, so then it, so now you're getting more backstory. So you so you've expanded this universe, so to speak, by giving it a little bit more history. Um, and so, but I think one of the reasons why it's confusing for a lot of audience members and for myself is like, well, he looks like he's back with a different gal. Like, hey, you know what? Things got a little squirrely last time, but you know what? I know nothing gets you in the mood like demon possession, but what it turns out that it's actually a different actress, but she's playing his girlfriend from the first movie. That's uh, the same name, uh-huh. so, so that's where it gets a little confusing. They they back to the future you where they throw Elizabeth Shue in and you know the second one, and you're just supposed to pretend like that was how it always was. Uh, so, uh, so once you get past that, like first I think like seven eight minutes, then it's like okay now that's Evil Dead too. But what what it ends up happening is you create kind of a movie that that sort of functions on its own. Right, I mean, it's uh, by by giving you this this glimpse, but it's not from the first film. It's almost like Evil Dead Two could just be, well, we did Evil Dead again, but we decided to go a little further. 
So than what we would which all right, so that's interesting. Um it was almost like a this is a film that came out of contractual difficulty. But looking back on it, which of these two films do you prefer? Um, I think I like two uh, because it's and it's a it's a major tonal shift, right? I mean, it becomes almost uh, The Exorcist meets Looney Tunes. It is all right. So I, I want to talk about that. So this seems to me like to be some kind of hybrid between comedy. I mean, so much so that it's almost cartoonish, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just said, Looney Tunes. And then, but of course, this is a very slasher film as well. And I'm wondering if that had been done before. I mean, 87 is, I guess I was just thinking because it it seems like a 70s movie. I was wondering if it had been, but what else had been done to this point that was trying to do both at the same time? I can't really think of anything because I mean, there's, there are, there were like more mainstream horror films. I'm sure that came through that had maybe some humorous elements to it. This almost feels like a spoof. In sure, some like ways. Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, there were things that I was laughing at, but it was I was laughing because the t- the tone took itself so seriously. Right, but then also Freddy Freddy becomes Mister One Liner later, right? So right. like he becomes known for that. So so it becomes like you're kind of waiting for that, but it's different, right? I mean, th- those movies still are played primarily for scares. They're played primarily to slash. The sort of this gallows humor of of Freddy's one-liners is kind of adds to the the macabre a little bit, right? Whereas in this case, I mean, Ash is dancing with the lamp at one point. I mean, we were ta- yeah, <laughs> we were talking is, about, and it's legitimately funny. Like, I mean, it's actually yeah. like because it's so it's so slapsticky and yeah, yeah. so almost like the juxtaposition of what they're trying to do from a horror standpoint and how over the top the humor is and, and the stop motion. Uh, it's it's effectively humorous. So we were doing American Werewolf in London uh, a while back. And that definitely brings in elements of humor, right? Sure. And, and oh, yeah. yet the tone is sufficiently horrific, you know? Yeah, there's an absurdity, right? I mean, to the some of the settings and... and the, yeah, it's almost the, like the, there. it's like horror that's punctuated by comedy. This is almost like comedy that's punctuated by horror. I don't know. Right. Maybe that maybe that's unfair. It, it's it's sufficiently, you know, located in the horror genre, but it's unlike. Like I said, I, th- I think this is somewhat of a singular film. What would you most compare this film to? I mean, it's been a while since I've seen Gandhi. <laughs> King Kingsley as Ash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because I mean, Gandhi's hilarious. Uh, mostly for the Pratt Falls, but because um, he gets yeah. dizzy from not eating, you know, and he falls down the stairs, which seems like forever. Um, the British colonists are the Evil Dead. <laughs> so I, I just want to say we listed a bunch of films from 1987, all of which have better star power than Bruce Campbell. Right. Of all of those films, I can't believe that Bruce Campbell doesn't get more recognition. For the singular performance that he... I've never seen a comedic actor commit to a role so well. Right. I, he's, yeah, yeah. He is amazing in this film. I, yeah. He's... he's It's like I can't imagine anyone else doing it. There's something about his sort of gangly 
and very expressive face. This guy is killing it in this movie. Yeah, his physical comedy is pretty sensational. I mean, there's uh, one scene where he's just he, all he is, uh, all he's doing is walking outside, and he falls over, and he flips over, and it's like the, he only has to go from point A to point B. It's hilarious. This guy is freaking hilarious. Yeah, no, it's it's something because it's like he like the film has a certain cult quality, right? But then he ends up kind of having a cult quality out of this, and it's like it. I don't really know much about his filmography outside of, you know, I've seen this and then was a Bubba Hotep, which is, which is great. Um, you know, well, he gets mold. a little cameo in the most recent Dr. Strange where he, well, he gets he... cameos in all of the Raimi, uh, Oh, is uh, that Spider-Man? Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, and you know, and I, he made a cameo in my life when I saw him, uh, when I was having lunch in Bodega and, uh, did, and did you talk with him? I, I did briefly, like, so I looked over and it's like, he's one of those guys where you're just like, that dude looks just like Bruce Campbell. And and you're like, but you know, I but I bet you He probably gets that a lot, you know. <laughs> but I'm like, I bet you that there's probably like 40 guys in Sonoma County that look just like Bruce Campbell if I were to actually go on a journey. So what I did was I Googled Bruce Campbell's wife to try to see if like, I'm like, okay, maybe that will, and I looked, I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's his wife. So I'm sort of freaking out, you know, in terms of like, in terms of the guys that like I would geek out if I saw him. This sure. apparently Bruce Campbell's definitely one of them, just because of, of some of the more obscure work and just just this sort of, he's iconic in a very specific way, right? Um, yeah, he's he's cult classic famous. That's what he right, is. which is to me like that's that's some of my favorite famous, and so. I, I'm like, I got to say something, but like, I don't want to be bothersome because you can tell he's not super interested in. So I just on the way out, just walked up as I walked by, he was sitting by the door and I just said, big fan, just thought I'd let you know, gave me a thumbs up and said, thanks. And kind of, and that was it. And, and that was fine for me, right? Like I was about as far as I needed to go. Um, well, and I appreciate that you, you know, your primary interest was to, you know, let the man have his privacy. He's in Bodega Bay. He's probably not. Right. Uh, he probably wants to slow down a little bit, right? So, yeah, and my my understanding is I've heard that he might not be the most uh, approachable uh, gentleman, but uh, mm, mm, interesting. Well, anyway, so I was happy to get what I got. All star performance. All this guy, this guy just I, he never he was so committed to this particular part throughout the entire film, and the, the physical humor and. Just at times, I was just laughing out loud. The term "dirty bastards" is used <laughs> twice in this film. <laughs> I, I want to talk a little bit about this particular swear. Right, a dirty bastard to me is comedic. Like I, I could never imagine someone in 2022 calling me a dirty bastard and not trying to be funny. Right. And so I'm wondering if in 1987, if someone called you a dirty bastard, would you take offense? Like, or is it that meant to be a, an old timey, like 1930s style? I remember the 80s. I remember hearing bastard a lot. And that was and it had um, I think it had a little more oomph to it because I think it was a, it was one of those swears you kind of say on TV. So it was, it, it, so <laughs> yeah, you could get it, it. <laughs> you could get it a little bit more. So I think a little more access to bastard, like almost felt like I could get away with it. But I mean, I couldn't say it at home. Um, but it was one of those. I don't know if we knew what to do with it. And then you find out what it is, and you're kind of like, oh, is, 
is that a problem? Well, you know, it's like, and I as you get, it's it's a really funny insult. I and it's used twice in this film, and I was wondering, like, I'm laughing, and I think that I, it must have been. I mean, you have a choice. You have a choice as a as a writer. Like a guy's hand has been possessed. He's realized that he <laughs> that he now has to chainsaw his hand off in order to survive the possession or something. Right. And the thing that he that comes to mind, you know, to curse the evil that has possessed his hand is the phrase dirty bastard. <laughs> right. And, yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then later on, you know, the, a, a guy's punching him cuz he thinks that the the guy has committed a double homicide. <laughs> and <laughs> as he's punching him, the you know the term that comes to mind is dirty bastard, and I just think it's a really funny choice of curse. <laughs> yeah, I wonder like is it were they like hey we should probably tone down the swears because we're really upping the the gore for you know we I cannot that imagine rating, that maybe. they're thinking that they're they're hoping for a PG thirteen rating on this. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> There's gallons of blood. <laughs> There's an ocean of blood in this film, and that's what's funny about it too. Is like I don't. I'm curious what people's reactions were in 87, but like, I don't find any of it like particularly horrific. No, no, uh, no. I mean, it's, it's horror, but it's like, it's horror themed, right? Not like, I'm not, there may have been like one jump scare that got my dog. I think, no, I was never but. scared as, and I don't know if that's, if that tells me more about like, this is not horror. This is a slasher comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that, there's something about the color of the blood that I want to discuss. Mm. I think that there's something about the viscosity and the color of the blood. I, maybe it comes in like stages. Like, was this was 1987? Was just like, hey, pink has never been more popular. 1987. <laughs> You've never seen, you know, pink has never had its its time in the sun like it did in 1987. The blood in this film is absolutely pink. Yeah, it's high C. <laughs> it's it's high and so and you know sometimes it splatters, but sometimes it just looks like food colored water. Right, and an interesting thing about it too is that a lot of the blood comes to you off screen, like so when he's cutting off his hand, like it right. sprays up at his face, right? So so that to me takes a little bit off. Uh, because it isn't until later, like in films. And he, but I mean, like so, eighty-seven. You know, there's I mean, there's some there's some gore, right? I mean, there's some some gory things that happen. But like, I think Absolutely. if you saw if you saw the blood coming out of the hand, it might have a little bit more of a of an impact. But like, so a lot of it is is implied without subtlety, which I think is an interesting way to put. Uh, sure, <laughs> I think at one point one of the creatures has green blood, right? So right. Which, another thing, like, so when you start seeing, I think this is sort of a trick that you see in these types of films. If you start seeing green blood, blue blood, because they're, like, killing demons or something, uh-huh. I think I think the the uh, rating system becomes more favorable. Because, like, like, well, that's not human blood. Red blood, yeah. red blood will get you, like, there's only a certain amount you can do that. But if it's, like, alien blood, or it's demon blood and it's a different color, you know... I think you can get away with it, right? So I, I think those might have been some. Uh... So that's an interesting choice because because it is pink, it, it's it's certainly less horrific, you know. It's, right. There's something about that blood color, you know. It's it's a very specific color, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's a very specific color that is blood, and there's a certain 
viscosity to it that that will will evoke a, a, a response in, in me, right. even if I know it's fake or whatever. But if the blood looks too ketchup-y or if the blood looks too watery, um, uh, of course, of course I'm going to, you know, receive it differently. And I think that there's something about the color and the texture of the blood that is a nod to the watcher, a nod to the audience. that We, we know this is funny, and you should right. think this is funny. Yeah, too. yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, keep in mind, 87, um, RoboCop comes out, right? And RoboCop is, even to this day, it's it's pretty, I mean, it's crazy violent. And it's um, effectively violent. Like, some of the, the close-ups of mm. the shootings and the blood splatters are like, they're, in, they're, they're still intense, right? And so, I, so you, I think if you compare... Like these two films, I mean, obviously their their budgets may be different, but I don't know that Robocop. I mean, Robocop had a high budget. Let's be let's be clear, but but um, just in terms of like the gore factor, easily the uh, well. And I was just the, thinking, when did Silence of the Lands come out? Uh, I think eighty nine, maybe. So it's in the same time window there. That movie was legitimately scary, right. right? And I would not consider that a horror movie. I would consider that a crime drama. Yeah, that, I guess ninety one is when Silence of the Lambs came out. So sure. So not the middle. Sure. We're talking what four years? I mean, there. Yeah, there, there's gore. There's certainly gore there. Well, and then so the, speaking of the effects, right? So this is a there's practical effects. There's a lot of stop motion, right? I mean, there's stop yeah. motion. Um, there's stop motion. Bruce Campbell's in, in this film more than once. <laughs> yeah. And you know, so that sort of evokes a, like a kind of like reminds me of like a Beetlejuice, a Tim Burton esque quality, right? Yep. Yep. Um, which to me, sort of tamps down some of the the horror a little bit. Yeah, it's almost like when the when the demon is going to be the most demonic, it also becomes the most unrealistic. Right, and it's and it's not frightening. And I don't know if, it, and that's where you wonder, like, was that intended to be frightening, or was that like, yeah, that's kind of crazy, right? You know, <laughs> like it just like. Uh, I mean, it's you know, I mean, I would I would understand if I saw that in real life. I th- would think it would be be gruesome but uh but yeah so you so that's where you wonder like what was the intent was the intent to still keep it a little on the silly side or was the intent to um like that was that supposed to be ooh, that's scary right and i yeah. i i mean i think that when the um when the mother like the 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 witchy mother she's gross right like they do she's a good super job gross of, and i mean i think one of the most sort of horrific scenes is when she actually looks like a human and right. she's singing that lullaby, right? Right, right. You were born September 2nd, 1962. I remember it well because it was snowing. So strange it would be snowing in September. That thing in the cellar is not... That's the mo- most horror this film gets, I feel like. And then, of course, when she, <laughs> when she's, like, levitating and she's... <laughs> She, she's just gross. I mean, that's yeah, super gross. <laughs> just, yeah, that's super gross stuff. Um, but of course, and I want to. This is, brings me to my next Halloween question for you. Witches laugh a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you're you're interested in in horror, but you're also a comedian. What? Why is it that witches laugh? 
Like what? I, I don't. It's not like the the werewolf laughs. I, I... Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, it, it is an interesting trope that you see a lot, right? Is you know whether it's the Wicked Witch. I mean, there's a cackle, right? There's a cackle yeah. that's associated with witches that you don't associate with mummies. You don't associate it with vampires. I mean, I guess maybe vampire vampires are tend to be serious, right? Yeah, and I, I, it does something with uh, intriguing with with the idea of a witch, right? I mean, a witch already has, you know, has powers that you don't fully understand, um, and if they're the cackle adds a certain maniacal sense to it, right? Maybe there's like, uh, th- like this isn't like they enjoy this. There's a sadistic quality, right, that maybe goes along with. <laughs> Is there some the kind lab. of like uh, tropey? Like this girl's crazy. She's you. You should be afraid. She is absolutely crazy. You wonder if there's if there's some baked in, um, you know, the notion of hysteria, right? Like if you were to really look back, because this is a, a you know, in the monster genre, this is one that is assigned uh, to women, and 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 maybe in order to make them sinister, you go back in time where the idea of like hysteria and 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 the, yeah, maybe the, so. The, the the you know the woman is is uh, volatile because of you know their you know those wacky hormones they yeah. have and, yeah, and she, so I wonder crazy. if there's something something to be said like that would be peak peak fear for men with women is oh the woman's out of control okay and she's, so, so that's what I'm wondering the other the other uh, spooky creature that laughs is the ghost sometimes the ghosts will laugh. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you all that's that's all you get from the ghost. You'll just hear a menacing laugh. You won't actually see anything. So if you were going to do a stand-up set, and your audience is either all ghosts or all witches, what would you choose? Um, that's a good question. I mean, ghosts would be hard because if you were bombing. You wouldn't know, but I mean, well, maybe it might be nice. And you're like, I just assume they they they're gone because <laughs> I can't see them. <laughs> you know, where if the, if I'm bombing and the witches are not cackling, you know, I'm like, oh, this joke's just not working. But I can at least say, oh, I, that's probably well, the you ghosts can, were left. Maybe more readily, you can see their facial expressions. Maybe that that's right. Th- those facial cues are a little bit of feedback, whereas the ghost may or may not have those facial cues. Right? Are the ghosts are the ghosts dragging chains, and are the witches are they around a cauldron? I mean, some of those noises are also some things to consider. <laughs> sure. All right. Okay. Interesting. Um, I I loved in this film. I loved the idea that the main character and the hero himself becomes a monster. Right. Right. And. It's every other monster. Every other person that becomes a monster in this film gets chopped or gets sawn in half or right. you know gets axed in the head. And and of course that is her response when he turns into a monster. Uh, but he's kind of like going back and forth, almost like a werewolf would. Mm-hmm. But there's no rhyme or reason to him going back and forth. But even the idea that he's lost his hand, his hand is one of the you know the creatures he has to defeat now, and then he replaces his hand with a chainsaw. Right. He's absolutely as horrific as anything in this film. Right, and I love I love the um, how this ties like they created like this was really clever on the Raimi the team is you know you we explore the the book more than we did in in the first Evil Dead. And now we've got imagery of foreshadowing 
of of him you know mm. he's the guy like he's he's the the hero the man that fell from the sky uh in <laughs> in the in this book right so it's like a, it's it's surprisingly complex right in terms of what it's trying to do and it knows where it's where it wants to go um so whereas evil dead like kind of plays more as a a possession you know out in the woods haunted house type situation which is great this one this one really opens up the universe and and starts playing with timelines right. and and uh and I think that that's I mean it, it's it's so clever it's such a I mean the difference between Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 um I will and, and we will definitely discuss this as we get to Gremlins 2 is this is what I like what a sequel can do <laughs> expand the universe right uh-huh, uh-huh. uh don't feel beholden to tell the same story right um you know i think some of the you know so many sequels feel like retreads and this one while it's it's supposed to take place right after and it but it also it 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 keeps him in the cabin but it somehow then expands the universe uh like well beyond where we would have probably imagined it could go and and so there's something so so fun about that and then also just how much of this movie is only Bruce Campbell? It's it's like his castaway in many ways, right? Like yes, it's just... he's like I said, a singular singular actor. There's so much. I would say that the all right, number one, it's not a very long film, but I would say that there's a good forty five minutes where it's just him fighting himself. You know, he's he's going from room to room and he's hearing noises. Every everything that's being done on screen is is leaning heavily on his facial expressions and then to to see that world open up at the end in a (laughs) in a in a way that i was not expecting right um i i mean it's pretty impressive it's pretty impressive now i think that with this sequel it not only did you not do a retread of the original i think you've changed the genre how many, right. how many times do you see that? I guess you could say something like, you know, Thor Ragnarok was like, let's 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 lean in the comedic elements of this. Right. The last one was way too serious, so that's interesting. But not not like this. This is like slapstick. Well, yeah, and it's and it's the. I mean, it, <laughs> the film goes through such a an evolution right so obviously you got the the horror aspect and you go to the slapstick comedy yeah. and then it turns into a medieval uh <laughs> period piece or you know yeah. but it's and so now it's got like a sci-fi element right but yeah got he almost travel. has that uh planet of the apes movement where he's like mm-hmm. screaming to the heavens with a with a hand a chainsaw hand yeah when it when he because that's him coming to the realization that he that he was the guy right like his, yeah. this was this was always him right and so that's and that's a really cool i mean it's in a, in a movie that's kind of low budget yeah super bonkers there's like a real there's a real uh purpose there's there's an intentionality that goes through it that i think you don't you mean know, it's, it's it's an amazing trick that you don't realize what's going on until that final sequence and you're like Dude, this guy went from like if you especially if you look at the first film where he was kind of like he was not a hero per se. He wasn't like this uh um 
tough guy or anything. I mean, his evolution in this is like just after going through what he goes through, you know, I mean, enough scares that his hair goes, goes gray and, mm-hmm. and, uh, he's just, well, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm part man, part chainsaw. I got a sawed off shotgun. He's, he becomes, you know, this mecha warrior. He's a terminator, you know, and it's, so it's, it's, it's pretty fantastic. So with most horror films that, uh, that I've seen, there's a narrowing effect at the end. It's like the characters are being narrowed because they're being killed off. The monsters are being narrowed. It normally comes down to like one room and it's like, will the main character defeat the monster? And then it becomes about just simple survival. And normally at the end, you'll see like some possibility that the monster might have survived and that'll leave it open for future films. This film does the narrowing effect and then the horizon widens considerably. Right. So instead of like at the end, you're looking at like a full on narrowing, like simple room, simple survival. This one opens up in a way that I don't think I've ever seen in a different horror film. So it almost did the ex- the exact opposite of what most horror films do. And I'll be honest, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing Evil Dead 3. Yeah. It's this a, is Army of Darkness, is that right? Yeah, Army of Darkness, which was originally, I guess, when they wanted to do Evil Dead 2, they wanted to do uh, Medieval Dead. That was their uh, their intent. And I think, they, you know, I don't know if that's if it was a studio thing or what, but they were like, let's not go there yet. So let's bridge the gap so that we, so now we have a way to get well, there. Well, it was a, it was um, it was a brilliant decision. The way that it ends is like, oh, now I got to see that, right? Right. And Army of Darkness, um, while not, it doesn't have maybe the same, re- like, critical review. Like Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two get pretty, you know, they're, they're pretty well regarded. It's a little more mixed on Army of Darkness, but still. I think mostly positive and it's, and it's just such a different approach, right? I mean, it's now he's kind of an action hero, you know? So it's a, Hmm. but it's, it's a time travel movie and it's a horror movie and it's, you know, fish out of water. It's like, there's so much there. It's, it's a, I I like that kind of ambition. Right. And I like, I like uh, when filmmakers know that they've created a world where they're like, okay, well, let's follow the logic of this world. And it's like, oh, there's not a lot of logic in this world. Well, what they've done with him is they've turned him into a monster, right? So he's he's sure. become a monster. And now that he's a monster, you've put him in a setting where you're like, yeah, I want to see a guy with a chainsaw arm in medieval England. That's exactly, I'm in right. for that, right? Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you just were to to describe it, you'd be like, "That's amazing." And I then and I think, I think there's something about that film, and I know that there's absurd stuff that that happens before in terms of of uh, filmmaking, but it almost brought this sort of bonkers hybrid genre um, into the mainstream, or because like, you see a lot of like mm-hmm. really weird concepts, right? You know, like uh, like. Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter kind of concepts, right, right, right? And I and I think I think a lot of those types of things owe something to the Evil Dead franchise. And uh, there's a certain courage it takes to say I'm going to make a I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do a horror film that's going to eventually become a time travel uh, action movie with monsters and chainsaw arms and 
you know, medieval times. I mean, that's, that's wild, right? I mean, that's just a, yeah. And, and to get it made and to know, like, I mean, if you look at, if you watch Evil Dead, that's not where you think the logical trajectory would go. Yeah. But it's amazing what Evil Dead 2, where you're just like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this. I'm, let's go, you know, let's, let's go the whole way. I mean, it's just a really fun, and it's a movie that knows itself too. I mean, like, I don't know, like, if you oh, caught, it's super like, self-aware. Super. If you caught like Freddy's glove is in the um, uh, the shed. Oh no, I didn't the, see above that above the door. Yeah, I yeah. Missed that. I missed that. Yeah. So that's a fun thing, right? Because I think at this point we're on. I think eighty-seven is when maybe three, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street three is out. So like that franchise is there. Right. And I know that there's. I believe in in Nightmare on Elm Street. I, I'm, uh, that the I think the original one. I think Nancy's watching Evil Dead. Um, oh, okay. at one point right? Okay. right and you know so i mean we, and we talk in our in our uh perfect stranger things uh podcast about some of the the influences and like their their evil dead references take that down it's inappropriate of course the the, the tree element yeah yeah isn't yeah because the trees in here is which and so they do a bit of a callback too right i mean they well, that's what i like about this too is that they had the trees sort of be these ah you know in the first one but now the trees are like attacking the house um, mm-hmm. you know, and we see trees, you know, in Poltergeist, we see, it's funny to see how like, like sinister trees are a thing. Right. You know, and I do I wonder we... if that is a wink to Tolkien considering mm-hmm. that this is, a, is absolutely going to go back to, you know, medieval times. Right. Sure. Now I, we talked about the originality of the film. Is there one trope cliche or device that you enjoyed in this film? Um, I love uh, the I love the fighting with his own possession. Like I mean, especially I mean, obviously it gave some of the more humorous moments where his hand is is the you know the enemy there. But um, and you see that later in a lot of films. I know that like, gosh, what's the movie with Michael Caine? Is it The Hand? And that was much older, I'm sure. Uh, like, doesn't was he get Michael like a, who? Michael Caine. Oh, Michael Caine. I, I don't think I've seen this one. Is it? And I don't. I I don't know if he gets the. If the hand is is possessed, yeah. So that was so that was eighty one. He lost his hand in a car accident, and then the hand is not found, but soon returns to murder anyone who angers its owner. <laughs> <laughs> in case you're wondering, like, well, who could direct such a tour de force? Yeah, you're right. It was Oliver Stone. <laughs> For my money, I always enjoy a. Building a weapon montage. Mm. Oh, you know, got it. Yeah, I you know that montage where he's deciding I'm going to become Chainsaw Man. You know, it's just it was a perfect montage. They even this. took the moment to figure out like, well, how does he start it? Yeah, you know, and they create he creates a little rig so that whenever he pushes his arm down, it fires it up. And yeah. I just I love that because it's like, well, I'm going to have my my gun in my other hand, obviously. <laughs> And then, of course, the first thing that he does is he saws off the uh, the shotgun, right? Right, which is very 80s. Oh, my gosh. And if you can get a sawed-off shotgun, magically it, it turns into something that will explode bullets into sparks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it... And like, there's a certain thing, like, if our, at our age, around that time, like, grappling hooks, sawed-off yeah. shotguns, That's butterfly right. knives, like, those would be the weapons of choice, right? That's right. That's right. 
Um, is there one? Would you make one tweak to this movie? Um, I I think I would make it a little more scary. And I don't know exactly what you would need. I mean, I, I that would be a really interesting balancing act, right? To do that kind of level of absurd slapstick and mm. still have like a terrifying moments. And again, maybe it was in '87. You know, maybe people were like, like maybe they the blood didn't. Mm-hmm bother them so much or like seem as is over the top um but if the blood feels more monty python than it feels the shining you know yeah, what i mean that's right that's right i felt like there was a lot of redundancy in the cabin i felt like there mm. was about 20 minutes of him going around in circles having the same experience over and over again sure and i think if you slow that down a bit maybe you bring in a little bit more creep you know, there are elements. There are elements of creep. I just, there was a certain amount of redundancy and repetition in the middle of the movie that made me a little bit bored. But, got it. Um, you know, not enough to make me not enjoy it. So, um, <clears throat> is this movie uh, better, worse, or on par with a Ron Howard flick? Uh, I would say it's a Ron Howard plus three. I just I think that there is a an ingenuity that goes on in in this level of humor and and this uh, emphasis on on these horrific themes. Mm-hmm. That I just I just it's so uniquely Ramy and that isn't to, I'm not going to argue whether Ramy and and or who's a better director, but in terms of this type of film, like. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're. I don't think you're going to get the kind of risks that were taken and paid off as well. Uh, well, I think that it, the one thing that I don't expect from a Ron Howard film is originality. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like he he's you know he's workmanlike. He's going to put forth a good film. I'm going to enjoy it. It's usually going to follow a pretty traditional format. Um, this this is a genre busting film. This is a film that has, like we said, a lot of originality. You have to enjoy the camp. Like if right. this is not a film for everyone, you have to go in you know, ready to laugh. And so it's it's. I wouldn't say it's more than a Howard plus two in my mind. But yeah, just it's just a much different kind of film that Ron Howard would. Very unexpected, right? And I, and I I was excited to hear your take on it because I know mm-hmm. when I first saw it, I did not know what to expect. Right. I mean, I knew I, because I knew that army of darkness was, uh, the third, I knew that there had to be some odd break. I knew I wasn't going to be into just a, a straight up horror trilogy and evil dead feels a little more straightforward. I mean, it's, it's not, but I mean like it, it, in terms of like what it's trying to do with the horror genre, mm-hmm. but then you get to evil dead too. And you go, this is, this is how we're going to bridge that. And I think they bridge it, pretty pretty fantastically and um and it is odd how it feels like it does feel like it could have followed right after 81 because of the way maybe it's shot um and i think that that helps to some degree because um you know when you go from terminator to terminator 2 i mean the effects are so different right and so your 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 film is much different whereas this feels like yeah i could it you could watch them sequentially even if there are some continuity errors just by virtue of them re refilming it it's amazing how quickly you forgive it <laughs> you just don't care <laughs> yeah because no, that's right as it, soon it as he's as soon as it knows what yeah. it is all the way through you're like if if you were if you enjoy the first five minutes of the film you're going to enjoy the rest of the film yeah right? if you can i mean yeah 
after you know three plates to his own head, you're you're like, yeah, dude, I'm all in. <laughs> Is there a one to grow on half the battle moment? Yeah, I mean for sure, right? I mean it's like uh, just don't don't go to the don't go to the woods. <laughs> just never go, never experience nature. Never rough it. <laughs> How about don't squat in a cabin that's pretty? It looks pretty haunted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it looks haunted, it probably is. <laughs> Always err on the side of haunted. <laughs> okay, so are we doing like a draft like last time? Are we just? Yeah, I just go back and forth. Um, See, I'm, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I got one. I got like fourteen, and I'm like. Yeah, I've got ten, and I was thinking because I thought if you know we might we might double up. We each have to come up with six, and I thought that we could yeah. use the thirteenth as a as a wild card. And if if indeed we wanted to do like a first run movie, or if if we need a week off, and we need to insert something into that slot. Is there like a new sequel coming out anytime soon? Yeah, actually, there. This is sort of the year of the sequel. Uh, I mean, Top Gun Maverick was a sequel, right? And that might yeah. might win a few Oscars. But then we have Avatar, the second Avatar coming oh, out. That's right. And then, of course, you know, whatever Marvel. I, oh, Wakanda Forever. That, that's going to be a big oh, yeah. one. Um, I wonder if we. I mean, I wonder if there's been a year where there's been more sequels than first runs. So at least, like in terms of like blockbuster. Absolutely. Stuff. I mean, all that Marvel. You could almost call yeah. every Marvel movie a sequel. Yeah, it's interesting how that works, right? So there was, I mean, there was a year when we, I think we got like six Marvel movies in one year. Um, how do they just keep churning? I, it's it's kind of insane. Um, all right, so Steve, Cocoon's a horror. We, we, we're uh, prepping for season three. Just a little dog jingle, just to kind of remind people what we're all about. <laughs> Yeah, good timing, Django. <laughs> so, uh, let's tell people what we're doing. Okay. Do you, do you want to describe that part? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Could you uh, tell yeah, me what we're, we're doing, please? Yeah. <laughs> this this uh, season is, oops, all sequels. <laughs> I thought we changed the name. It's not going to be Cocoons of Horror. It'll be Secoons of Horror. Uh, I'm sure people will find that easier than cocoons of horror right yeah cocoons 2 but it's t-o-o <laughs> cocoons 2 electric bookaloo i'm sure yeah. that, that will not confuse anyone so all right so this is we're going to come up with a dozen between us a dozen movies to review sequels, yes uh and steve's come up with a few and i've come up with a few we're going to take turns selecting sequels there's no other criteria. They can be of any genre, but they have right. to be a sequel. Uh, so, well, should I roll some dice to see who goes first? Uh, sure. All right, here we go. Well, that's a goocher, Steve. Okay, well, good night. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, everybody. There is no season three. <laughs> I will let you go first. Okay. Yeah, but, but wait. <laughs> <laughs> just rolled the dice and said, "Okay, I'll let you go first. What does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> okay, so that was that was completely all right. <laughs> it's a, that was almost as self indulgent as this podcast. 
Um, all right, with the number one pick, I mean, I, anybody that's been listening to Cocoons of Horror, I think knows where I'm going with this one, and I, I just, I got to make sure it gets Gremlins 2 with a new batch, baby. I was going to put it on my list, and then I thought, you know what? I'm pretty confident this will be Steve's number one pick. <laughs> Yeah, no, I uh, yeah, it's that's an easy, that's an easy call. Much to Heather's chagrin, uh, Kremlins too is getting getting the cocoon treatment. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> I've never seen this. I just know that you're the biggest fan of Gremlins too, <laughs> uh, probably in the world. And so I I am looking forward to covering this film with you. And so for listeners, too, I mean, like, obviously, we'd love for you to be watching these along with us. Um, and, if you know, and feel free to, you know, go to whatever had preceded this if you need a little bit of background, right? I mean, will you be, do you think you'll be doing that with any of these? Like, for example, Gremlins, will you revisit Gremlins before you go to Gremlins 2? I'm thinking that if, I think I probably will not. Okay. Because my feeling is these sequels usually will tell you in the first five minutes what you missed. Yeah. There'll be some sort of ham-fisted attempt for someone on the screen to sort of give you way too much information about what happened. You know, they'll summarize the previous film in a sentence or two. And it's usually enough to enjoy the sequel. So, I might I might revisit a couple of these, but I'm I think that it's an interesting experience to just jump in with a sequel. Okay. How about you? Uh, it will it will depend. Um, I'm looking at my list, and I I don't think I will need to. Mm-hmm. Um, I may I may choose to, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't uh, I don't think I'll need to, especially if I've gone say not the second but beyond. Okay, it's my selection, and for my first selection, in keeping with our roots. In Perfect Stranger Things, I will select Evil Dead 2. This is the 1987 sequel to Evil Dead. Steve, I have not seen Evil Dead. So, And I have not seen Evil Dead 2. Are you going to watch Evil Dead before you get to Evil Dead 2? I think maybe no. And I think... And I don't think you have to in this case. Yeah, again, I think that this is one of those cases where... I'm pretty confident that Evil Dead 2 will do the work to tell me what I need to know. Evil Dead 2 uniquely does the work compared to other sequels. And that has to do with licensing issues, I believe. Oh, very good. So so, so this, this I think, is going to be actually a very interesting... I, I actually am glad you're doing this because I'm very curious to see how you... Uh, take on Evil Dead because I remember when I I was a, a late adopter and we my son and I went through all three and it was odd to watch two right after one because you're like wait this what this is just just the same movie in some ways so huh, I think this, I think this is really I think this will be good for you okay I'm looking forward to it I probably wouldn't have chosen this if if we didn't have sort of a horror element to this podcast. Mm. Um, but I kind of felt like I've never seen it. I've heard a lot about it. I probably should see it. It might help me enjoy Stranger Things more as well. Yeah, I think so. And it's it's a fun it's a fun one. Um, is this the medieval themed Evil Dead? No, that would be Army of Darkness. Oh, Army of Darkness. Okay, I'm, I might have to do that after Evil Dead too. Yeah, I, I yeah, that one. Yeah, I think you'll want to do that. 
Okay, uh, it's now your turn. All right. Interesting. You know, we said we didn't have to do horror, but I'm going to do one that I've never seen. Oh, wait. Pause right there. Was Evil Dead 2 on your list? No. Oh, all right. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to do one that I haven't seen. Uh, Psycho 2. Oh, my goodness. I've never seen it either. And Psycho... I almost feel like we should do Psycho at some point for this podcast, but neither of us has seen a Psycho 2, so that's interesting. I, I might revisit Psycho to watch Psycho 2. Yeah, I did. I, I feel like I know Psycho pretty well. I did... Uh... I did a um, gothic literature and horror films uh, class, you know, just years ago, but when I was at Sonoma State, and uh, I spent a lot of time on Psycho. Interesting. Um, Go see wolves. Aroo, splash. And Um, and the... uh, I want to hear more about this class. I didn't know. We've been doing this podcast for a while. I had no idea you took this class. Yeah, yeah. It was was, uh, great. I mean, like we did, you know, we studied a lot of gothic literature you know a lot of edgar Allan poe mm. a lot of uh, short stories that you know involved some of the more uh, sinister uh, aspects of um, you know early culture and then uh, early american culture as well and but then we also did an emphasis on on horror films i mean we we studied texas chainsaw massacre carrie american psycho huh. psycho um yeah, it was it was pretty so great. So Psycho was, uh, Two was this also Hitchcock? No, no. So this is like twenty two years later, I think. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So Psycho Two. So I remember, like, the only way, I, the only reason I really ever knew Psycho Two and Psycho Three existed was because of Mad Magazine, because that's how I knew most things <laughs> that happened. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and Mad Magazine was sort of Fox News before Fox News. <laughs> So yeah, so and exactly, it's a parody of what's happening in real life. So I always thought, even as a as a younger person, that like Psycho two and Psycho three would be bad, and I don't know that they aren't. But I've heard recently that Psycho two and even Psycho three are are kind of worth watching. That they're that there's something mm. um, that they don't they don't feel like they betray the the sort of the trajectory. So I'm, yeah, I'm very curious. I think curious. that in general, I mean, I think that the idea there's a general idea out there that sequels are usually worse. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's something like this, right? Cause this feels like it could be, yeah. A, Cause this is a class capitalize on it. Yeah. Capitalize on, on a title. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I remember when, when uh, Terminator two came out, what a big deal that was. Cause there was so much time in between. Yeah. I was just going to say that it, it kind of is generally true. And yet some of the best films ever made are sequels. Like Godfather Two or Empire Strikes Back, um, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of really, really important films that were sequels that are really in the, like the, the top hundred films of all time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I think I think it's really because there's so many sequels that are cash grabs. Yeah, um, that's right. That that it's easy to sort of like to to dismiss the sequel as as a form of storytelling, I guess. But I mean, I mean, why wouldn't you, why couldn't you? Right. I mean, mm. we've seen it, we've seen successful sequels. Um, but yeah, it is, it's interesting. And maybe, and maybe that's less of the case, like with the younger generation, but I think for our generation, um, you know, it seemed like the sequel really, like when we were younger, the idea of the cash grab sequel, be like really became a thing. Mm-hmm. Is it my turn? It is your turn. Okay. So you just mentioned Terminator two, which 
in my view, is probably the best action film ever. Wow. I'm going to go with one of the, I would say, one of the top five best action films of all time. It is a sequel. It is Aliens with an S. Oh, that was on my list. Okay, good. So we're definitely going to do that. I only have seen it once, and it was, I think, like maybe one or two years ago. I remember the first time I saw it, I thought I was watching the original Alien, so that when I watched Alien for the first time for season one of Cocoons, I was very mistaken. I thought that I had seen it before. <laughs> so I love this movie. Love this movie. I'm gonna. I, I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah, I'm excited to rewatch this because yeah, like I said I saw it the one time and I was, I was impressed. I because uh, I remember when it came out, what a big deal it was, mm-hmm. and. And having having had not seen Alien but knew a bit about it, um, uh, for me, I, I started watching Saturday Night Live in 1986. The season premiere, it featured Sigourney Weaver. So of course there was an Aliens parody. So that was sort of like I'm I'm enjoying this sketch, knowing that I have no frame of reference for the pop culture reference behind it. So this is kind of exciting. So we've got for you. You had said no necessary. It doesn't have to be horror. Mm-hmm. We've got Psycho Two, Gremlins Two, Aliens, and Evil Dead Two. Look at us. Yeah, look at us. I will go off script. I want you to know. I'm, I'm about to go off script here. Oh, I'm gonna go off script. It's but uh, it, it is your selection. Uh, I'm gonna go with Predator Two. Okay, I have not seen this. I have seen Predator. So Predator is one of my favorite action films, like in terms of the just, original, the original Predator. Just in terms of like, it's like cotton candy action, right? I mean, it's just, uh, it's entertaining. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's campy at times. Um, I know you love but the it's camp. A, for sure. Oh, but it, but it's shockingly effective, right? I mean, like it's actually a really good action movie, and it's it's easy to sort of go like, ah, it's a Schwarzenegger thing, and everyone's you know shirtless and sweaty, um, but it's uh, it's insanely quotable. Uh, the effects are really good for the time, especially. Um, it's it's at half... times it's really horrible. I mean, they're they're oh sure. I mean, sure. but it's horrible in a way that you'll be able to enjoy how horrible it is. The uh, the you know heightened testosterone factor is is, is pretty amazing to, to watch. Oh, Jesse, like, so Jesse the body. I mean, just oh, the man. idea that there are two future governors in that film. Right, right. Which is you know one of my one of my favorite uh, SNL sketches was Carl Weathers running for governor. Vote for me because I too was in Predator. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's really good. I really like. I like. I mean, like, I don't even. I mean, I, there's a lot of things to like about Predator, kind of ironically, but like overall, it's a very fun and very interesting action movie. Um, so Predator Two, I'll be honest, I haven't seen it a lot. Mm-hmm. I saw it a couple times. Um, Danny Glover, uh, Gary Busey. <laughs> if that doesn't do it for oh, you, oh well, you uh, sold yeah. me. You sold me at Busey, sir. You, you, yeah, yeah. you're speaking my language. Oh, and Bill Paxton, get out of here, man! This place is this is gonna be great. I think it's gonna be fun. I'm, I'm, I have, I have, I, have I, I don't want to say high expectations, but I'm really looking forward to revisiting this because I think 
I think the one of the issues that I had with it was, as I did with any sequel, is like, man, I put Predator on this sort of high pedestal. So Predator 2 was just doomed by that comparison. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, looking at it through, a, you know, sort of a different lens and a, maybe a little more ob- objectivity at this point. Okay. All right. So this is my selection. Uh, this is The Color of Money. Hey, that was on my list. Too. It wasn't? All right. Fantastic. Uh, in my opinion, this is, of course, is the 86 sequel to The Hustler. Right. And so Paul Newman reprises his role as Fast Eddie Felsen. And um, for my money, this is Tom Cruise at his best. <laughs> I think this is, this is Tom Cruise. He's still kind of got that young Tom Cruise energy. And it's before he got weird. <laughs> and so if you were going to say... You know what's the best Tom Cruise movie? I would I would not hesitate. I would tell you it's The Color of Money. Um, yeah, looking forward yeah, to I this. Did, I love this movie. I saw Color of Money like kind of early. You know, I mean, like not early, like early for me. I guess I watched it when it was on VHS, right? And I I was pretty young, so I was like I was impressed, but also kind of like not totally engrossed as I, as I could have been. So I'm looking forward. to Did re- you want to go to Buffalo Billiards right after you watch it? <laughs> Right, and uh, and then I watched the Hustler way later. Love the Hustler, um, and so yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, like. So I might revisit the Hustler. I might too. I remember watching the Hustler and not knowing that it had any kind of relationship to Color of Money, and I was just yeah. I had the same. That was my same thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I was same. I was the same exact thing, and I remember watching Hustler and go, oh, that was really. And then later finding out that they were connected, and then it was always. I always made a point to revisit those two so this is a great opportunity all right so it's your selection oh baby um superman three. <laughs> oh, oh man oh man this will be fun oh baby okay so uh superman's great superman 2 is pretty good too um and then it came down to Superman 3. I went through a Superman kick. I think we talked about this uh, <laughs> sure. off podcast. Sure. And uh, and Superman 4 is unwatchable Drek. But I almost chose it <laughs> for that very reason. <laughs> because it is like a master class in, in what, everything that could go be wrong. Now, which one has Richard Pryor? The one we're going to watch. The one we're going to watch. I always yeah. think, I, I, I'll tell you what, I've watched this. I've watched the first 10 minutes of this movie probably a dozen times, thinking, how could bad could it be? It's got Richard Pryor. It's a Superman movie. This, this is going to be right up my alley. And 10 minutes in, I'm like, nope, I think I'm done. <laughs> so for me to actually watch this from start to finish. Dude, I cannot wait. Um, yeah, Superman 4 is so bizarre because you got you know Gene Hackman is back. Yeah. John, John Cryer is Lex Luthor's nephew. and I mean, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it is it is a rough one. Uh, the 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 main villain is Nuclear Man, played by Mark Pillow. Mm-hmm. What's your other favorite Mark Pillow movie? <laughs> I mean, that just feels like like bad AI created him. But uh, but three, I mean, three is it's a nonsense movie. I mean, it is it is. <laughs> I can't wait. I just I can't. There's not enough. I mean, you want to talk about a guilty pleasure? Three is it. Because three is is insanely fun. I don't know how it fits after two. 
Christopher Reeve does his darndest, and I, I'm really I'm looking forward to, to talking about this one with you quite a bit. Okay, my next selection is Jaws 2. Interesting. I saw Jaws very recently, late in life, you know, a couple years ago. Loved it, and never seen Jaws 2. So, I am, I'm looking forward to this. It's 1978. I, I've been... I've been really into late 70s crime dramas lately. And this is, of course, not a crime drama. Um, oh, no. The, the, the shark is like it's a heist. Yeah, the shark is a serial killer. And I am looking forward to this. It's, it's got Roy Scheider again. It, um, it does not have Spielberg attached, uh, as far as I can tell. And I think you, you've got some history with this movie, right? I do, mostly in the sense that I um, always thought that was Jaws. Yeah, right. So you you probably turned it on in the middle, you know, some Sunday afternoon and watched watched it to the end. Yeah, I am not convinced that I've seen this all the way through. (laughs) Um, And you picking Jaws 2 does take Jaws 4 off the board for me, (laughs) which is your loss. All right. All right. Because Jaws 4 has the best tagline for any movie about a shark. This time it's personal? This time it's personal. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, it is now your selection. Escape from L.A. Oh, this is going to be fun for us because I do believe that we watched this together. We certainly did. In fact, we we were so excited for Escape from L.A., and we realized neither of us had seen Escape from New York. Mm-hmm. So we, we rented Escape from New York. I remember I was house-sitting at my sister's house in Petaluma. Mm-hmm. I had never seen Escape from New York. Uh-huh. I was not prepared for what I was getting into. It was quite an experience. Yeah, and then, and then of course, we went to the theater to watch Escape from L.A., and that was even more of an experience. And I think this really helped me. I mean, I already had a pretty good... Uh, unbeknownst to me, relationship with John Carpenter films. You liked it, really, but you I, didn't know that that's where they came from. Yeah, like Big Trouble, Little China. Like I wasn't really like, mm. oh yeah, that's a Carpenter thing, or and They Live, and uh, Christine, um, Starman. Like I already knew and liked those movies. Um, so this kind of helped m- make me pay more attention to, like, oh, there's a there's a DNA in movies that I like from him, obviously, and so help me appreciate uh and i revisit these quite a bit so okay. uh again sorry heather uh <laughs> escape from la is going to be playing in our house again <laughs> okay um so it is my selection and i'm this is tough there's a there's a couple here that i really want but i think that this is my final selection is it my next one will be my final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. And then you have two more. Okay, so it's going to be Teen Wolf 2. Oh, man, that takes one off my list. So that's good for me. And this one uh, is spelled T-O-O. Um, <laughs> there's another Teen Wolf. And I recently watched, in preparation for Teen Wolf, which we did cover, I, I, jumped, I went right into Teen Wolf 2. Uh, which is not Michael J. Fox. It's Jason Bateman. 
It represents his cousin, I think. It's 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 uh, the original Teen Wolf's cousin who goes to college, and he's on a I think a boxing scholarship. Huh. Um, and it's it's something. It's there's something. Still have never seen it, so this is great. Okay, all right. So it's something. Uh, you're, you, I think that you're going to be happily surprised with this one. <laughs> so yeah, so this is my final selection, and I've uh, so I've got on my list because there was some nice overlap. Got one, two, three, four, five options I'm choosing from. I'm going to not choose Temple of Doom because it's technically a prequel. Mm, ah, good, good, good call. I, you know what? I forgot that it was a prequel. Yeah. Um, though I, but I do think that there may be, there's room in, in the future for, uh, for Temple of Doom okay. on our podcast, but it was one of my most horrific experiences in the theater when I, Oh yeah, man, I'm right there. The, with the heart can't comes out. I, I, I was over, like there was too much. It was too much at that age. It was one of the most harrowing experiences that I've ever had in a theater. Um, and you look at it in retrospect, it's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not good. It's, it's not just fine. not for a four year old, let's just say. Right. All right. So, uh, but that's one you will not be selecting. I will not be selecting. We're going to go with Rocky Four. Interesting. You know, I didn't even consider any of the Rockies. Rocky Four. Fantastic. Love it. And what year is Rocky Four? It's 87? Um, that seems right. Seems eighty-seven or eighty-eight. I'm not sure which one. Rock eighty-five. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. So yeah, you can obviously choose a lot of Rockies. You know, I have a relationship with the Rocky films. Well, uh, now Rocky that was... now that we have sort of a you know a reboot of our tensions with Russia, mm-hmm. I think that, that was my that one. I think it's time for us to heal some wounds with Rocky Four. That was my thought. I mean, Rocky Three is 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 super entertaining, um, but Rocky Four is uh, it's it's a rich tapestry to discuss. Yeah, and I feel like at, you know we need to do some good in the world. It is in our mission statement to you know to heal all fault lines between nations. Right, the cocoons of yeah. horror mission statement. I don't know if we've ever mentioned this before. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll have a podcast where we discuss our core values. <laughs> so that's your final. That's my finals, Rocky Four. Fantastic. Yeah. Again, apologies, Heather. All right, so let's go through your six before I get my last one in. So we have Gremlins Two, uh-huh. the the new batch. Uh, we have Psycho Two, Predator Two, Superman Three, Escape from L.A., and Rocky Four. <laughs> that's that's quite a selection. <laughs> All right. Mine are Evil Dead 2, Aliens, The Color of Money, Jaws 2, Teen Wolf 2, and I think that for my final film, I will go with Top Gun Maverick. Wow. I haven't seen it yet. I feel like I'm probably going to watch it. Might as well review it. Okay. Have you seen it yet? I have not. All right, so this is going to be, and I do believe it is, uh, you know, available on Amazon Prime now. Gotcha. I was trying to rewatch Top Gun, and uh, 
it's it's a rough one, man. Yeah, I yeah, it's it's not great. If it has a plot, I don't know where to find it. Yeah. Um I am a big fan of beach volleyball, not that kind. Um <laughs> There's other kinds? All right, so let's hear uh some runners up here. Uh what else was on your list that did not make it? Uh so ones that did not make the list were it was uh you know, the aforementioned Jaws 4. Um, Young Guns 2. Oh, oh gosh. I remember this not being good. <laughs> uh, Die Harder. Okay. I, that, I had considered Die Harder. And Beverly Hills Cop 2. Interesting. Okay. Fantastic. Okay, here's here are my runners up. Bride of Frankenstein. This is 1935. Nice. Okay. Uh, Mannequin 2 on the Move, <laughs> 1991. This is without Andrew McCarthy and Kim Cattrall, but we still have Meshach Taylor. It, it's still Meshach Taylor, and it does, for those folks who have been following us on Double Dragon, it does include a full five-minute prologue that is set in the medieval world. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Uh, I put on Silence of the Lambs because it is technically a sequel to Manhunter. True. Um, Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. Oh, man. That's such a good one. Let me just tell you this. If you are ever feeling down, if you ever feel a little depressed, you're a little sleepy, you don't want to get out of bed, life has kind of gotcha, I want you to go to YouTube. I want you to watch the trailer. I guarantee you, you will get an endorphin high by watching this <laughs> this uh, movie preview. Uh, it's it could be one of the best trailers ever put together. <laughs> uh, it's it's fantastic. It's it, I, I'm I'm run out. Stop right here. Run out. Watch it right now. Welcome back. We're glad that you watched that, and I'm sure you're now listening to this with that endorphin high that Anthony <laughs> talked about. Uh, all right, that, that's. Uh, I think that that's that gets us prepared for season three of Cocoons of Horror. Looking forward to Looking it. Looking forward to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. After you mentioned Mannequin Two, I immediately was like, "Oh, Short Circuit Two would have been a jam." <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that. Can't believe a Short I, Circuit Two. I can't believe there were no police academies. <laughs> I do. I think I watched Police Academy 3 in the theater, uh, feeling a bit scandalized by a, a wet t-shirt situation. I for sure saw 4 in the... So, okay, there's Police Academy, Police Academy 2, their first assignment. Police Academy 3 is... Is it like back in training? I, and then I, I think... I, I'll be honest... I think I've seen one Police Academy movie, and that's it. I, I know I that there's a guy that makes <laughs> noises with his mouth in this movie. I believe four is Citizens on Patrol. Oh, interesting. I know. I don't remember. I think six, five or six is City Under Siege. Hmm. I, then there's one I'm forgetting, and then I think seven is Mission to Moscow. How come they never did a crossover movie with Police Academy and Tango and Cash? Uh, that would be an interesting one. Like, are they are they teaming up? Yeah, they're teaming up, or they're going against. Maybe they have to like go against each other 
There's corruption. Because there's corruption. Tango and Cash get brought in to deal with the corruption of the police academy. And then they realize that they have to join forces to take down... I don't know. You name the villain, John Lithgow. See, I, I think I think it would be better if it was like the series True Detective. New season is is them being <laughs> it be going back. <laughs> they're they're undercover with the police cast. <laughs> Bobcat Goldblade is the commissioner. <laughs> A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works, and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>